But can I say, yeah, I'm ready to go Like weed seeds in the pot, yeah, I'm ready to grow And I don't care if the growth is fast or slow Grow my fan base, cause that's what really matters the most I see the top of y'all, swear I'm so close You ain't taking medication, let me give you a dose I am the realest in the end, that's not no quote Let's see who disagrees, raise your hand to vote Hey, welcome to the Heat episode 12. Happy Friday. It's me. I'm your host, Day, along with my co host, Mr. Webb. What's going on, y'all? Glad to be back. Let's get into it. Webb sounded like he woke up from a thunderous sleep. Yeah, I worked midnight, so had to get a little sleep in. All right, let's get into it. You already know we bring you the facts, we give you the numbers, we give you the story. And um, you can put in your questions or your topics or your players that you would like us to cover at anchor.fm forward slash feel the heat forward slash message. Again, that's anchor.fm forward slash feel the heat forward slash message or on Twitter at feel the heat underscore KW. As we move into week five of the NCAA football schedule, we are reminded that week four was a thriller with USC's comeback win over Utah and finally UCF being beat by Pitt after two seasons of being undefeated. Week five will give us another week of nerve-wracking football. Before we get into our picks this weekend, let's jump into some breaking news. Senior quarterback at at University of Houston, Derek King, has decided to redshirt the remainder of his senior year to come back next season um, for the Houston Cougars as a fifth-year senior. So now this is a young man that I have been following for a while, and many experts had him as the Heisman Dark Horse. He's the only quarterback since Tebow uh, to have a touchdown, a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown in every game um, in the last two years. But with the new team under uh, new head coach Dana Horkison, they have started off to a rough start, um, one and two. And I believe King does not want his draft stock to fall, which is why he has chosen to sit out the remainder of the year. For King, I think it's a good move. And also, I don't believe that he will be back at Houston. He said his plans are to be back with the coach and with the team next year. But I think he will move on somewhere where he can display his true talents and probably go to a Power 5 conference. Going into games of the week, we have number 18, Virginia, at number 10, Notre Dame. And Kyle will give his take on this game. I'm going to take Notre Dame, even though they're coming off a loss to Georgia, which I still feel like they played a really good game. They just good enough. Uh, Notre Dame is favored by, I believe, a dozen anyway. And I think the protection on Notre Dame's end is going to be really important in this game because Virginia leads the nation in sacks with 20. Even though so far Virginia's toughest test was probably was probably Pitt or Florida State, even though I think Pitt is better than Florida State. But whatever. Nevertheless, I'm taking Notre Dame. And I like Virginia for the upset. Um, They're the ACC's second-best team behind Clemson, and they have a balanced attack with Perkins in charge, uh, Bryce Persons, which is the quarterback. And they have, as Kyle said, a very uh, veteran-heavy defense. They're they're a very good defensive team, and they're off to a 4-0 start. Keep in mind that Perkins is also completing 65% of his pass attempts, and he has 843 yards and six touchdowns on the season. 
and he is also leading the Cavaliers in rushing. So it will be up to Notre Dame to uh, contain this quarterback, and we will see who will be the victor at the end of the game. Moving on to number reason- 21. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Real, go ahead. Sorry. Real quick. I just wanted to add, the reason why I picked Notre Dame to pick to win this game specifically is, like I said, Virginia's biggest test thus far has been Pitt or Florida State, and Notre Dame is better than both of them. So I'm curious to see how they how they react. Yeah, it's going to be a good game, no doubt. I'm not I'm not holding nothing against Notre Dame. Uh, I like Virginia. I like their quarterback. I like their defense. But it will come down, like to all games, who has the better offense, who has the better defense, who who plays the best that game, anyways. Right. Moving on to number twenty-one, USC at number seventeen, Washington. Who's your pick? I'm going to go with Washington. I mean, honestly, I'm not crazy informed about USC, but I do know that USC is minus five on turnovers, which is not what you want to see going against Washington, who, in my opinion, has a better quarterback, a better defense. If you if you even want to make a case for USC having a better pass rush, sure. But I think Washington will have a less harder time scoring USC is on their third string quarterback anyway, due to injuries. Jacob Eason, as it sits right now, he's he's completing just barely under 80% of his passes. I'm taking Washington. Yeah, um, I'm going with Washington as well. I mean, you stated everything that I would have said. USC is dealing with injuries at their quarterback position. Um, and I think Washington is overall the better team. And like you said, they have the better quarterback. But um, I believe that if Keaton Slovis misses the game after um, receiving a concussion last last week for the Trojans, Matt Fink will get the start. He looked good last week, but, you know, now we're looking at um, you playing Washington, who I think is a lot better than Utah. I think Utah was ranked number 10. I'm not taking away from what they have done, but compared to Utah, Washington is the overall team, so USC will be challenged again this game. Maybe. Moving on, we have Mississippi State at Auburn. The battle of the freshmen. Who you got? Uh, I mean, last week I believe I was wrong when Auburn was playing when I put, when I predicted Auburn to lose uh, to A&M. But I'm going to go with Auburn this week. And I have a feeling that Auburn's pass rush by itself is is going to be enough. Simply because Mississippi State's best offensive player is their running back, Kylan Hill, who leads the SEC in rushing with 551 yards. Plus, Mississippi State isn't even sure who's going to start at quarterback. With that being said, I'm not confident in Michigan in Mississippi State anywhere, so I'm going to take Auburn. I couldn't agree even even uh, more. Uh, you said everything that I would have said as well, so I'm going with Auburn. But um, Keep in mind that Bo Nix is playing great, and the defense is playing even better. So, yep, I'll roll with Auburn as well. All right. Um, so, the NFL Week 4 is approaching us, and this is what we have in news. Melvin Gordon's returning to the Chargers. And what does this mean for Austin Eckler? I think we have to remember that with or without Gordon, 
Eckler can be productive. Last season, Eckler finished just about 400 yards shy of Gordon's total yards from scrimmage as a backup. And with Gordon coming back, it will lighten the load for Eckler, so he won't take so much of the pounding. And he doesn't have the same body frame, the body type as Melvin Gordon to take the type of punishment that he has been taking. Um, but you can look for Eckler to continue to make an impact for the Chargers as he is a compliment to Gordon. They do have a really good um, one-two punch with Gordon and Eckler in the lineup. Now, we're not sure if the Chargers will go ahead and insert Gordon into the lineup next week. We're not even sure how many snaps he will see. But I do like this move for the Chargers. That I believe they're one and two. So they're looking to win. They need to make moves to win. And with Gordon coming back, it, it puts them back um, in balance as far as the AFC West. Yeah, I agree with you as far as the uh, the one-two punch, you know, having Eckler and, uh, and like you said, uh, Melvin Gordon. But, I mean, at the same time, if it comes down to money, which uh, Melvin Gordon's not, he's not done pursuing a new contract. The Chargers said they're just done talking about it this year. If they're going to give him a new contract, it won't happen until next year. But I feel like if it comes down to money, I think they can go ahead and move Melvin Gordon. I mean, Austin Eckler, he's proven to be a viable option on offense running the ball. And on top of that, they can use Melvin Gordon to get another receiver, to get something. I think they could, I think he's valuable if it comes down to money. If they can afford to keep them both, then I think they should do that. Yeah, but I think that, you know, you have a good point. If they can move him, good. I mean, I talk, we talked about it last uh, Tuesday, this past Tuesday, that should the Giants make a move for Melvin Gordon, and now we see that Saquon's going to be out about eight weeks. They don't really have a running back in New York. If New York could give them something and wouldn't mind losing another piece that they may need, then that would be a good move for New York. But as far as the Chargers go, if you don't work out a new deal for Gordon and he stays throughout this season – and you don't work out a deal in the offseason for Eckler, you could take the risk of losing both of them in the offseason, uh, which would be devastating for their run game because Justin Jackson has not proven himself yet. I mean, that's why I believe Eckler's snap count percentage is somewhere like around 72%. He's on the field 72% of the time on offense. So they don't have a reliable backup for Eckler. If they were to lose Gordon... Um, they would have to go find another uh, running back to compliment Eckler. Unless they turn, unless they turn the momentum around, like they've been not playing so well. I think they could just draft another running back if they could make it this season by just looking at least, at least just over mediocre. I mean, that's how they've been really playing lately is just about mediocre for the, by the Chargers standards, at least. I think if they could hold on just this season, they could draft another one if they wanted if they wanted to move Melvin Gordon. If not, and they wanted to keep them both, great. But, I mean, if I was the Chargers, if I could afford to keep them both, I would. If not, I'm looking to move Melvin Gordon. But at the same time, you got to think about the whole what did the holdout show people about Melvin Gordon? He wasn't 
as good as guys like Le'Veon Bell and all these other guys that are holding out getting contracts. You know what I mean? So what is he really worth? In the What is he really worth? That's just what I'm saying. I'm not saying he's not worth anything, but I'm just saying what is he really worth? Now, I understand that because Eckler has proven um, to make a case that he is can be the number one guy in San Diego. But just hold that thought one second. We just got breaking news. Um, the Chargers may activate Melvin Gordon this Sunday after just Justin Jackson has just been ruled out injury to his foot. That makes things a little bit complicated for the Chargers. I mean, sure, he knows their playbook. He hasn't really been practicing with them, but it makes their matchup this weekend very interesting um, because people have game plan for Eckler and Justin Jackson, and now you have to incorporate Melvin Gordon into your game plan. So we will see what that looks like this Sunday. In other news, oh, good. Can... go ahead, go ahead. You got something to say? Go ahead. No, I was going to say we're good. We can move on. Okay, cool. Um, in other news, in the NFC, we have Sean McVay says he needs to place Todd Gurley more in the playbook. And my thoughts was like this at first when I when I first heard it, like, well, does Sherlock. I mean, he's only averaging 14 carries per game, and he's only seen six targets in the passing game since the beginning of the season. Why haven't you been incorporating him in your playbook? Like, why are you saving him for later? Yeah, I mean, granted, you haven't really worked him as much as you have in the past, and you're 3-0, and but to continue to win, you're going to need to use Gurley more because you can't really depend on Jared Goff to get the job done. Yeah, I mean, if you look at last year, I mean, who was really a big contributor a contributor until like late in the season to getting the Rams to the Super Bowl or at least putting them in position to where they were? I mean, you really, Todd Gurley? I, I, I feel like Todd Gurley contributed to a lot of that, but I also feel like the amount of usage he was getting last season is what contributed to him being hurt in the postseason. So, yes, I feel like Sean McVay's correct. He should incorporate. He should put Todd Gurley more in the playbook. But I think they should find that nice balance between usage and design plays just for him. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. I I, I agree with you, and I think that they have to incorporate him more in goal line situations. For sure, he had I believe sixteen total touchdowns last year, if I'm not mistaken. They need to incorporate him more. I mean, he had, through three weeks, he has one touchdown. That's not Ty Gurley ball. Coming up next, Webb will give us the Packers versus the Eagles recap. Okay. The Eagles, the Eagles won in a thriller. I mean, I thought it was a thriller. The Packers came out strong. I thought the Packers were going to win it. They had a 10-0 lead early in the second in the in the second quarter but the Eagles stayed consistent they stayed con- I want to say they played a pretty conservative football game uh, and they really just made less mistakes Aaron Rodgers he, th- he threw the ball 53 times for 402 yards two touchdowns and only one interception can I say this real quick Yeah. the Eagles cornerbacks are so terrible. Had Devontae Freeman, or excuse me, Devontae Adams 
not gotten hurt, the Packers would have won that game because they could not stop him. I, I, and I believe in the first half he had eight catches for 158 yards. Total. Nobody. What was that? I said total. He had 10 receptions for 180. That's what I'm saying. And if he would have, he, he would have stayed in the game. They would have won that. They would have won that game. But uh, yeah, it was a really a thriller. It was very um, the best Thursday night game we've had all season. I can say that. I mean, the Packers stayed consistent in throwing the ball, and they made plays. But that strip, that strip on Aaron Rodgers, which led to Brandon Graham recovering a fumble, I think that's what really turned everything around for the Eagles. I mean, look at Carson Wentz, 16 for 27, 160 yards with three passing touchdowns. Jordan Howard, 15 carries, 87 yards, two touchdowns. He looked very impressive. Uh, I mean, I tried to get him on the waiver wires. We'll see if I get him next week. Yeah, I tried to get him too. I ain't got no bench back. But honestly, I think the Eagles played a better game. And like you said about the Eagles cornerbacks, Ronald Darby week to week is looking more and more like a liability on defense. Did you see the pass interference flag that got picked up? That and but I don't even know if he was even playing. I think it was Douglas and um it looked like Avante Maddox. Maddox. That's what it was. He just got straight dogged all game long. They're terrible. Their cornerbacks are terrible. If I'm Philadelphia, I'm calling to make a um a trade for Jalen Ramsey. Somebody's gotta go and I gotta get Jalen. But like I said before, the Packers, they played a good game. They just made too many mistakes. Aaron Rodgers throwing an interception and them getting a fumble. I think Carson Wentz had no interceptions. The Eagles had no fumbles. They stayed consistent. They stayed conservative. They took their time and they came away with a win. That's all you can ask for. And also, I think um, I'll say this and we'll move on that the, the Packers going for it on fourth and goal when they didn't get it was really another thing to turn the momentum as well. They should have just taken the points and kicked the field goal, and then they still would have had their timeouts and another time to, you know, fight for another touchdown. Oh, I wanted to say one more thing real quick. When the score was 34-27, nine minutes left in, nine minutes left in the game, the Packers had the ball. What was Aaron Rodgers doing? Like, he looked like Eli Manning out there for a minute. He was trying to give the game away. Did you see that? I really don't remember exact the exact moment you're talking about, but I just know that the, the decline of the Packers' offense once um, Devontae Adams was out of the game. You could just see, like, the, the momentum, the the chemistry kind of changed. I know you still had, you know, Aaron Jones. You still had Jimmy Graham in the game. And um, what's the uh, – Allison? Geronimo Allison, yeah. The other one. Uh, but no, none of them are Devontae Adams. None of them were doing what Devontae Adams was doing to the defense all game. So I think that kind of threw them off because the, the game plan was these guys can't guard Devontae. Let's feed Devontae. And they started that very early in the game. 
but when he got injured, uh, I believe that was in the fourth quarter, quarter, early in the fourth quarter, they had to go away from that game plan. Yeah, the Packers couldn't stop the run. And like you said, on fourth down, nine minutes left in the game, Jimmy Graham drops a touchdown in the end zone. Right in his hands. Right in his hands. But, yeah, man. Let's move forward and go ahead and uh, pick our games of the week. So, in the AFC North, we have a divisional matchup between the Browns and the Ravens. Who's your pick? Browns. I'm I'm going to ride this one out. I've been riding with the Browns for a minute, and I'm not ready to jump off. I think Baker Mayfield just needs more time, and I think they're liable to go off at any minute. They have the talent. They just need it to click. I'm going to roll with the Ravens. Better quarterback overall um, and better defense. In the AFC South, we have the Titans at the Falcons. We rolling with I'm rolling with the Falcons. I mean, the Titans came out pretty good this se- uh, to start the season, but the Falcons just have too many weapons. I mean, when Julio Jones is on the field, who can really cover him? I'm rolling with the Falcons as well. I think they need to find their identity, and I'm thinking this week they will find it against the Titans. In the AFC East, we have the Patriots versus the Bills. Another divisional game, and the Patriots are seven-point favorites. Who do you got? Just for fun, I'm going to pick uh, the Bills to upset. The Bills The Bills defense has been playing pretty good this season. And we see Miami, like last year, we see Miami even pull off a win against the Patriots. And I think the Bills can do it. Josh Allen is playing pretty good, better than recent memory. And like I said, their defense is playing pretty well. So I'm going to pick the Bills to upset. And I'm right. I'm right along. I'm right along with you, man. Um, it's hard to go against the Patriots. They're so good. But I'm going to roll with the Bills as well. I think it will come down to how well each defense plays. And I think the Bills defense is really good. The Patriots haven't really played anybody. And it's fair to say the Bills haven't really played anybody. So they both are going to step up to their their competition this weekend, but I I like the Bills. I'm not saying I'm not saying that the Bills are better than the Patriots because I know some people will probably say that. That's not what I'm saying. Just for the sake of the I like the underdog. I think they can pull off the upset. I'd like to see it happen. I'm not a Tom Brady fan, but I'm I like I said I'm rocking with the Bills. It would be really good for football if the Bills did win. Moving on. In the AFC West, we have the Chiefs at the Lions. Dad, you know how the Lions beat teams they're not supposed to beat. Yes. That is that's a conflicting narrative. I mean, I would like to I would like to say the Chiefs because they they have the best offense in the NFL to me. I'm going to say the Chiefs. Though I mean, the Lions are honestly a joke. They really are. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Um, So, the, the Lions defense is actually really good this year so far. But I don't know if it's good enough to stop Mahomes. But for the sake of underdogs and the sake of the city of Detroit, I just spent the last 10 years of my life there. 
gonna go ahead and roll with the Lions. I, I can't stand the damn Chiefs, man. I can't stand them. In the NFC North, we have another divisional matchup: the Vikings versus the Bears. Taking the Vikings, the Bears' offense is so suspect; it's unreal. Their defense is out of this world, but if Mitch Trubisky can't really score or he starts throwing the game away, what's it going to look like for the Vikings? I think Kirk Cousins I'm and Adam Thielen and company. And on top of that, Dalvin Cook is playing out of, out of this world. So I don't see how you can't take the Vikings. I like the Vikings as well. In the NFC South, we have the Panthers at the Titans, or Texans, excuse me. No Cam Newton. I'm going to take the Texans. I'm going to take the Texans. Unless Christian McCaffrey just somehow goes off. I'm going to take Deshaun Watson over, was was it Kyle Allen? I mean, he's been playing well. Ah, that's a that's a tough one. That really is. I'm gonna rock with the Texans. I really am. I'm gonna rock with the Texans too. In the NFC East, we got the Cowboys at the Saints. Uh, I'm gonna rock with the Cowboys just for the regular season. When it gets down to the postseason, I don't know. But for right now, I'm gonna rock with the Cowboys. Other than the Chiefs, I think they're playing. Uh, maybe the best this season. Um, at home, I like the Saints somehow to figure this thing out and escape with a W. So I'm rolling with the Saints. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. By the way, the Saints—they don't even have Drew Brees. That's another big thing. But they don't. But Teddy Bridgewater looked good, better than he did um, two weeks ago versus the Rams. So we'll see. Hopefully, he can play the same way. Okay. In the NFC West, another divisional matchup. We got the Seahawks versus the Cardinals. Cardinals versus the Seahawks. I'm going to take the Seahawks. I like DK Metcalf. I like Russell Wilson. The Seahawks are playing pretty good to me right now. I'm going to take the Seahawks. Yep, they did just get beat by the Saints, but I think they're obviously the better team than the Cardinals. And the Cardinals Kyle don't Murray even have Patrick winning. Peterson back from suspension yet anyway, so. Right, right. And so it makes a difference as far as the passing attack. That wraps up our games of the week, our picks. That wraps up news for the NFL and the NCAA. We'll move on to the NBA, um, where we are now 10 days away from the NBA exhibition season. Which exhibition game are you most excited to see? I'm sorry, say that one more time. Which exhibition game, preseason game, are you most excited to see? And for me, I'll just say this. I'm excited to see the Rockets versus the Clippers and also the Lakers versus Golden State Warriors. I mean, I don't see how you can pick any other game other than the Rockets and the Clippers. You got one of the biggest moves... Two of the biggest moves in the NBA to me, which was Paul George and Kawhi going to the Clippers and then Russ going to the Rockets. I want to see how Russ and James Harden play together. I want to see how a a ball-dominant Kawhi plays with Paul George. So, I'm really interested to see how the rest of the team 
for both teams, the rest of the players glue into that identity behind Russell and uh, James Harden. And then on the other side, between Kawhi and uh, Paul George. What I can tell you about the Clippers is that they will not lack on defense. You got uh, Patrick Beverly, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard, who are just great defensive players, great two-way players. And then you have uh, the the Rockets. They don't their coach doesn't even believe in playing in defense. He just wants to outscore you. And if he doesn't change that mindset, no matter who he puts on his roster, he will never win a championship. Right. All right. So if you guys haven't noticed or seen, um, the ESPN Top 100 Player Rankings have come out. And what are your thoughts on this list, uh, Webb? Honestly, um, my first problem was with number one because LeBron wasn't number one. Even though we both know, or at least I hope you would know, that LeBron is still the best player in the world, even though he missed the playoffs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me tell you something real quick before you get into depth. People are not building teams around to beat Russell and, and, and Westbrook or to beat Golden State. People are building teams to beat LeBron and have been for the last 10 years. For the last 10 years, people have tried to build teams to beat LeBron and the only team successful enough to really do it has been the Warriors. So yes, I have a problem with that as well. I also think that the whole list was pretty much straight trash. And how are there 40, what, 48 other players better than Klay Thompson? Klay Thompson with a torn ACL is better than half of those players that were named in front of him. I mean, you got like Zion, top 50. We haven't even seen him play one game yet. I mean, these writers, they, they rely so much on the metrics to make up their mind. But it, they never stop to take a look at the player's film and really evaluate their talent, how they impact the game when they're on the court. Instead of just plugging some numbers into a machine that people really don't care about. I don't care that, you know, John Collins plays, you know, 36 minutes a, a game. And when he's in the game, he has a plus 10, um, plus minus of 10. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't care about that. It, that doesn't matter because John Collins is playing with the Hawks and they aren't doing crap right now. I mean, like Blake Griffin, Siakam, Ben Simmons, all those guys better than Clay. That's what really pissed me off. And then in the top 50, KD is not even listed on there. KD with a, a torn Achilles is better than all those players on there in the, in, in, top, in the top 10. You get into the five and you can debate. Top five and you can debate that. I agree. And first of all, I think honestly, I think James Harden should be should be higher than four. I think he should be higher than four, considering the 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 literal volume of scoring he has put on last season. Like he had at least five. How many? What do you have? Two or three sixty point game, fifty point games, five or six fifty point triple doubles. Uh, maybe not that many. Maybe not that many, but at least three. Just, I think the whole list just needs to be redone, and I want to know who did it and what they based it on. Analytics, like I said, analytics don't tell the whole story. Obviously, LeBron's not number one, 
Giannis was MVP, even though James Harden was clearly the most valuable player. But mm-hmm. it's not a perfect world. Yeah, the the writers are definitely not credible, and I say just shame on ESPN for even publishing that list because they know dang well that LeBron is still the number one player in the NBA and in the world. Can't nobody stop him but himself. But we're going to move forward because we got to get ready to wrap this up. Michael from the Bronx says, why can't the Knicks sign a superstar free agent? Do you have an answer for them, Webb? I mean, let's start. Uh, Where should I start? I mean, the owner is probably the worst owner in in sports. Uh, They suck. I mean, I'm not trying to bash on the New York Knicks. I really don't want to, but I think they have a big market, but they're just, it's not an attractive team right now. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, ownership in the front office is lacking. They just can't attract anybody. Even with offering, offering up the most amount of money and basically saying, we'll do whatever you want. That's, that's what they said to, to try to get Kawhi Leonard. They couldn't make it happen. I'm honestly not 100% sure, but I think it's just the state of their franchise starting with ownership working its way down. I think it has more to do with that than the roster, to be honest, but I think the roster plays a hand in it as well. Yeah, you're totally right. That would have been my answer for Michael. I would say, you know, I don't want to bash your team, but... The ownership is straight trash. Nobody wants to play for him. He needs to sell the team. And overall, they just suck. They haven't been good in years. I mean, the the Knicks haven't been good since they had Patrick Ewan and um, Allen Houston. And then after that, when they had Allen Houston and Marcus Camby and Latrell Sprewell. I mean, yeah, you could say, well, they was pretty good when they had Melo. But they weren't really still that good. I mean, they weren't impressive. And basketball in New York at Madison Square Garden is just not the Mecca basketball anymore. It's just not. So that's your answer, Michael. I, you have to look at the ownership and understand why players don't want to play for, for this guy. They don't want to come to New York and play for that team. Oh, that they was uh, James Dolan, by the way. That's the owner. I couldn't think of it immediately. Yes, James Dolan. He's not a good owner. He, he doesn't need to own that team. And uh, from, from moving on from that point, we're going to go ahead and jump into the MLB with the American League top um, top wildcard teams are the Oakland A's, the Tampa Bay Rays, and the Cleveland Indians. The Indians, as of today, need Tampa or Oakland to lose two of their next three games, and they also need to win their next three games in order to make it into the postseason. Postseason play starts next week. The Nash- In the National League, the top wildcard teams are between wa- the Washington Nationals and the Milwaukee Brewers. And this really isn't a wild card race in the National League. It's just a, a matchup. The matchup is set between these two already. And like I said, the postseason play starts next week with the top, top two wild card teams from each league making the postseason. They will play each other in one playoff game to move on in the playoffs. So it's elimination, match, or go home starting next week. In the WNBA, Tuesday night, the Las Vegas Aces got eliminated from postseason. The championship series is between the Washington Mystics and the Phoenix Suns. If Webb doesn't have anything else he would like to add today, we're going to go ahead and close up, and uh, we'll see you guys back on Tuesday. Who you got between the Mystics and the Suns? 
Oh man, it's not so, the Suns. It's the uh, Mer- Mercury. Well, Connecticut Suns, not the Mercury. No, oh. you're right. It's the Phoenix Suns. Oh, it's the Phoenix Suns. I thought the WNBA uh, team was their Phoenix team was the Mercury. Yeah, but this is the Connecticut Sun. Ah, uh, see how informed I am on the WNBA. Who you got? <laughs> oh man, so Connecticut Suns are really good. The Washington Mystics are good, but they got swept last year by Seattle. Um, they did, you know, beat the Aces three to one. But the mo- the better athletic team. Ah man, I gotta go with the Suns. I go with the Suns five game series. It might go something like three two, or maybe the Washington gets swept again. I'm gonna pick the Mystics simply because you know I love me some Elena Deladon. Who was the M- who was the MVP this season? And I believe she was the MVP last season. But like you said, they got swept. So we'll see. And they are the best three uh three point in three point shooting team in the WNBA too. So that makes a difference. But man, when you watch the Connecticut Sun, they're just a different type of beast. If nothing else, we're gonna just thank you for joining Feel the Heat. Uh, today is Friday. Make sure you do something fun this weekend. Get ready for some football with your friends, um, whatever you're going to do. T- and then join us back on Tuesday. In the meantime, send in your questions or your topics that you would like us to cover at anchor.fm forward slash feel the heat forward slash message. Once again, I'm your host, Day, with my co-host, Webb. Here's his final words. Honestly, I'm just looking forward to the next episode looking forward to people's questions i love answering people's questions y'all come up with some pretty good questions but until the next time y'all all right have a happy friday check you later